and change remaining in the half. Jones fires to the corner. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. Oh boy. And that pass is intercepted. To the delight of all Seminole fans, Joshua Kando, the pick six. Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty this week on the High Motor Podcast, the post-week seven, pre-week eight episode of College Football Talk. On the High Motor Podcast, this is also the pre-Big Ten start episode. We're going to get into that a lot today with the seven Big Ten games scheduled for Week 8, starting with Illinois-Wisconsin Friday night. Illinois going to Madison after last week, or excuse me, last year's upset. Penn State, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota in Week 8. Nebraska getting their annual pounding against Ohio State. We can all enjoy that. Before we jump into a lot of Big Ten talk, on last week's episode... We said what we do know, what we don't know through six weeks of college football this season. I said we don't know who the fifth best team is in college football. We know the top four teams are, and I don't think this has changed since last week, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. Again, a week later, I think those are clearly the four best teams in the country. Any sliver of pushback from you, from you against me strongly believing that those are the four best teams in the country, I don't see where the argument is, but I'm still curious if you have any sliver of an argument pushing back against Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia as the four best teams in the country right now. No, in some order, I think it's those four. We agree on that. So who's number five? We already knew it wasn't North Carolina. I mean, their AP fifth ranking was asinine to begin with. We've talked a little bit about this uh, off the show, a little bit on Twitter, and a little bit during the show. You thought North Carolina was far more overrated than I did, but I was still higher on them than you were. But we both knew that their AP fifth ranking, and we're taking that with a grain of salt because the AP rankings this year have been a clusterfuck so far. We'll get a little bit more clarity and a little bit more historical context here in a couple of weeks as the Big Ten and other conferences hop in. But we already knew that their AP fifth ranking fifth ranking was insane. Ludicrous. And yeah. even after that better second half versus Florida State, the first half still happened, and we now know that the fifth ranking is even more insane. Uh, last week, I said that there might be 10 teams in this discussion. As I looked more at it, that was wrong. I probably jumped the gun on that. There aren't 10 teams in this discussion. I think it's really four strong arguments in, the, in this discussion. Then I'm fine with a fifth team after that. First, I want to know who do you think is the fifth best team in college football before I hop into the five teams that I think are kind of in that discussion. When you and I started kicking around this idea for, for today's episode, I, as I usually do, I got very mathematical and I went, all right, let me, let me go through the list. Who can I eliminate off the top? Who do I feel like doesn't even belong in the conversation to be fifth? So do I think anybody in the Pac-12 is probably that number five team? Right now, I'm not willing to say that. So let's cross off the Pac-12. Okay, do I think it's somebody in the Big Ten beyond Ohio State? I don't think so. I, I think that I, I know some people are going to be excited about Penn State or Wisconsin. I don't even want to hear it from you, Michigan people. Just stop. Stop right there. Just you better show me before we start talking about Michigan. So m- maybe we maybe I hold Penn State and Wisconsin and, and I come back to them. I'm not going to auto clear them, uh, but I, I don't I don't think it's anybody in the Big Ten past Ohio State. 
But I, I'll hold off on canceling those guys. Do I think it's anybody in the Big 12? No. Uh, Oklahoma State right now is number seven in the AP poll. I think we have gone into detail over the last month on the Big 12. So I, I don't know that we need to rehash any of that here. But I, I just don't think Oklahoma State's in that neighborhood when you look at their offensive line. I think they're going to get really messed up by anybody that's that's particularly stout on defense. Of which, I think there are a couple teams in the conference that are going to mess them up. So, I don't think anybody in the Big 12 is there. That leaves us with the ACC and the SEC. Do I think Notre Dame, who is the current number 4 team in the coaches poll and the AP poll, is the number 5 team? I don't know how you make that case after the last couple weeks. I think that's a really tough case to prosecute. They had just not looked good. So I get that they're undefeated. I get that they came into the season with a lot of hype. Personally, if I'm taking an ACC team at number five, I still want Miami over Notre Dame right now, even though they have the the, the loss on their, you know, a lot of teams are going to lose to Clemson. So I don't really care that they lost to Clemson, who at some point in this podcast, we got to talk about them hanging 70, but that's another conversation. And that leads me to the SEC. I still like Florida. I get that they lost to Texas A&M. It was a three-point loss at the gun. So that happens when you go on the road in the SEC or in just college football in general. I think think some people might want to make the argument that it's A&M because they have the head-to-head over Florida. I'm just more confident right now with what Florida is. When you watch what A&M did against Vanderbilt in that opening part of the season, when you watch how they weren't really close to Alabama, and then... I think if you're the number five team, you should probably beat Mississippi State a little more convincingly than they did. So I think A&M is better than maybe people want to give them credit for. But I don't know that they're number five. I still want to roll with Florida as of right now. And I wish they would have played this game this past week. I I understand why you have to cancel, so I'm not saying anything like that. I just wish I would have gotten to see them one more time before we had this conversation. Because right now I lean Florida. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a blowout of LSU or like a three-score win, you know, like a 41 to, to 20 type of game Yeah, really LSU. like flex on somebody, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know LSU isn't good. We know that, but I still would have liked to have seen that from Florida. I'd also like to see a convincing win over Mizzou next week uh, if Florida can get their test right and play that game. In terms of Florida A&M, I think it's a classic example of we're not saying that wins don't matter. And I think that you have made this case more than I have that at some point we just have to give you credit for winning the game. And I'm not taking anything away from A&M and I don't think you're doing that either. But if Florida doesn't fumble, Florida probably wins that game. And even though we're talking about it like, oh, Florida's defense, how good is A&M actually? But we're also kind of talking about Jimbo Fisher. Is he ever going to get the big one? If he doesn't fumble, I know it's a stupid game to play because that just happens in football games. You fumble, you miss kicks, you throw interceptions, you have penalties, all that kind of stuff. But it's a classic example of one single fumble, and we're not even really having this discussion probably. I think we're just both in full agreement that Florida is the best team in the country. I just refuse to believe that Todd Grantham can't figure it out on defense. I mean, he's earned the benefit of the doubt as one of the best defensive coordinators in college football for quite a while for me to say, hey, let's give them a few more weeks to figure this out. Shitty offseason, you're replacing some elite talent. The talent is still there on defense for Florida. Something just isn't clicking for me. From 10,000 feet, I see something that just isn't clicking. Something scheme-wise isn't clicking for, for Florida and Todd Grantham. I just refuse to believe that he can't figure it out. All the teams that you touched on are among those four teams that I think are strong arguments for. 
And then the fifth one was AM, who I would listen to also an argument for because they do have the head-to-head. Going back to Penn State, I think if Micah Parsons, maybe the, the best player, uh, defensive player in the country, is playing for Penn State, I think they might have the strongest argument of any of these four teams and then plus a and I mean, it also helps that they haven't played a game yet. They're still carrying some of like that preseason, offseason optimism, and we're going to learn very, very quickly if they are five. They have a decent test against Indiana this week. You and I have talked quite a bit about how we like the direction Indiana is going. You know that they're probably going to be semi-competitive in these types of games. This isn't a rollover game for Penn State looking ahead to Ohio State. We're going to know very quickly uh, if Penn State is number five. But yeah, if Micah Parsons is playing, I feel a hell of a lot better of a very unequivocally saying Penn State's the fifth best team in the country. Going to Notre Dame, pre-Louisville, even though Duke and South Florida and Florida State were kind of ugly games, pre-Louisville, I I can see the talent for Notre Dame. Like I see that. If you want to sure, make sure. if you want to make the talent argument, and I know that it's it's kind of like an empty argument because if you're making a talent argument, like why is Auburn going to Columbia and looking that ugly on offense for most of that game? Why is Auburn doing what Auburn has done for so long? Because arguably Auburn's one of the five or six most talented teams in the country. So if you want to make that argument, sure. I mean, I, I think that Notre Dame, what we're seeing from Notre Dame this year is generally what we've seen from Notre Dame the last several years minus the year they made the playoff. I mean, they know how to stay in games. They have the talent. They generally are very clearly below the teams that are elite teams in college football. I mean, I would have listened to a fifth argument for them, and honestly, I'll still listen to it because it looks like Louisville has found something on defense, and bravo to Brian Brown specifically on his defense. Talk about somebody to watch for a G5 opening if any do come up this winter, but Ian Book and a stale offense, if you want to make that talent argument, fine, but I think we're now, if it was just Louisville, if they just opened with Louisville, and we were both high on Louisville coming into the season, I wouldn't be that worried about this, but now this is... I mean, this is probably the fourth game out of four games in which they have underwhelmed on really both sides of the ball. I mean, they have not played a a strong schedule. They've played arguably four or mediocre, four bad or mediocre teams. I haven't seen anything against those teams through four games. Uh, And then finally, uh, Wisconsin, before I get to A&M, same boat as Penn State here. I I think we know that they're a big step behind Ohio State. Nobody's really debating that, and that hasn't changed at all. And now there's concern at quarterback again. I love that the start they have for the season to allow Graham Mertz to ease into the season. I mean, they don't sorry, Illinois, you're not you're not winning this game this year. They don't need him to play like his expectations are going into his college career against Illinois. They They're don't need upset him to, our one Illinois listener. They don't need him to do that against Nebraska. They don't need him to play that well against Purdue. And honestly, this might be my most comfortable top five argument for me because we've seen it from Wisconsin like we've we know Jim Leonard is going to have the defense ready 80 percent of their production back we know that Wisconsin can play like the fifth best team in college football all day I don't want to say regardless of who they have coming back but we have seen this from Wisconsin now for a couple of decades where they have consistently played as the fifth best team in college football they haven't been the fifth best team for the entire season all of those two decades but they have consistently played like that and then that fifth team in play A&M I don't think they looked like that bad against Alabama, who made a strong argument for the best team in the country. But I agree that I think Florida is the fifth best team in the country. And if we still see the argument and are making that argument for Florida as five, 
I think we have to understand that AM did not look that bad against Alabama, who I think is either 1 or 1A with Clemson after that Georgia game. So I think you have to make an argument for Texas A&M, which leads me to wonder, is it just Florida 5 and then Texas A&M 6? I would be good with that. I I, I think I, I didn't love to A&M against Alabama. I, I Maybe you thought they looked better in that game than I did. I, it's I mean, more of like they didn't look that bad. Yeah, they didn't look that good either. <laughs> it's, you know? That, that's why like, I'm struggling to make the argument because it is Alabama, but what we saw from Alabama, on, we're talking here on Sunday, yesterday against Georgia, I don't know. I mean, kind of with your Miami-Clemson thing, like who else is going to play Alabama that much better? And that's that's fine. But it's if, if you want to make the argument, I think that's the argument to make. Like, hey, this is Alabama. Everybody looks like crap against them. So there, there's a big gap between, say, two and five or two and six, or three and seven. Uh, So I understand that, and that's fine. That's a fine argument to prosecute. I I think I agree with your ultimate point here that if we're we're setting this up, it goes five Florida, six Texas A&M. I'm I'm actually good with that. Uh, I just, I I disagree on that one granular point. I, I, I think it's reasonable to grade these teams as five and six, even though five lost to six. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. And I think if you subscribe to sort of the the macro ideas that drive our thinking on this podcast, I think you're with us as well. Well, and I mean, let's say Alabama is the, the, the number one team in the country and Texas A&M is six, just going along with what we have here. That's not an unreasonable result to expect when you have the sixth best team going to the number one team that is still kind of on the tail end of a dynasty. You might expect the sixth best team to play a little bit better than what Texas A&M did, but... Kind of, again, what happened with Miami and Clemson, I think that there's a bigger gap between Clemson and Miami than there is Alabama and A&M, but it's not an unreasonable result. It didn't like say, hey, maybe A&M is like the third or fourth best team, but it also didn't say to me, hey, A&M is not even in the top 10, top 15. It's, it's a reasonable result to expect when you have number one hosting number six, isn't it? Sure. I think, and I think if they played again, maybe the game would be a little bit closer. I think A&M, part of it maybe is uh, just they didn't start the season all that great. Uh, and I, I would need to go back and look and see, like, did they have all their players and what was going on, you know, weeks and weeks ago at this point. But I, I, I think, I mean, we talked before the season about how deep we thought the SEC was going to be this year. I talked way back when we did uh, the, a big gambling season win total preview before the schedules got pared down. That <clears throat> that based on the the numbers that I was looking at, I thought A and M was going to be a halfway decent team. That you know historically these last few years they're always hyped, but the number was so high that I actually thought the over was kind of the sneaky good bet that that Vegas was actually relying on you to roll your eyes when you heard Texas A and M, and that they might actually have a good season. So I'm not like hating on A and M or anything. I, I just I think. This illustrates, like so many other things, the gap after those top two or three teams that even the number five or number six or number eight or number 10 team, I mean, there's a lot of space in between that very top 1% and everybody else. What was that win total? Wasn't it nine for AM? It was like nine and a half or 10. Yeah. And, right. and it was right. so high that it was like, wow, it almost feels like the over's the move here because isn't everybody going to be on the under here? 
Did you take the over? Did you take any win total bets? I can't remember before everything. I took got I took down. a few and then they got wiped out. Yeah. But you didn't take AM over. I did. I took it. I, I had oh, a did. small AM one. Yeah. It wasn't let's very lead, big. Let's lead this conversation into the Big Ten because a lot of what we just talked about, uh, specifically Florida's loss to AM, I think that plays into the Big Ten kicking off here in their big picture. And we'll talk about some of these other conferences as they also kick off. Uh, we'll get into Pac-12 here in a couple of weeks with some some scenarios and maybe how they can squeak in. But because the Big Ten is kicking off this weekend, uh, not the tastiest slate of games, but still some very intriguing games, like I mentioned in the open, for the Big Ten, is it just Ohio State or we're talking about here? Is there somebody else? I know you think that we both agree that the gap is pretty big. You're not totally buying that there's a second team there. But do you think someone else there at least has a shot who could get in with a one loss? Let's say they go into the Big Ten championship game, most likely Wisconsin undefeated, and they play them kind of like they played them in the first half of the Big Ten championship game last year. Maybe they lose 31-17. Do you think with what we've seen so far across college football, there's enough opening for a team like a Wisconsin to go undefeated in the regular season, lose 31 to 17 in Ohio State, and say, hey, this Wisconsin team has a real shot? Or is the West just too weak for you? I really don't think anybody has a shot after Ohio State, but it's less about the West and more about just time and how we think about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have a month and a half's worth of data on Clemson. Miami, Notre Dame, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, the Big 12, even you know some really strong G5 teams like Cincinnati, where we really feel like we know who they are. And now we're going to have two other conferences parachute in at the end of October or the beginning of November. I just feel like unless you're already hyper-established as one of those 1% kind of teams— you don't have enough opportunity to prove who you are. So if you're Penn State and you lose a game, or you're Wisconsin and you lose a game, I don't feel like you have enough resume space to catch up to those other teams that are also probably one-loss teams. It just feels like there is too much institutional, psychological momentum against some of these teams, and that is... I mean, I feel bad for, for a couple of these teams that maybe do deserve a more legitimate shot at being thought of as one of these teams that is playoff caliber, and I just don't think they're going to be afforded that opportunity because of just how all of this typically shakes out. My biggest, it's not even like a pushback on your argument. It's just we don't know if you're right or not. We don't know how the committee is approaching this. We don't know if this is in their subconscious. We don't know if they're weighing this by saying, hey, these teams have already played for two months. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that these teams will be four, five, six, in some cases, seven games in for a lot of these SEC and ACC teams. We don't know how the committee is going to process that. Therefore, I don't, I just have a a problem. I know you're not definitively saying, you know, this is how it's going to go, but I have a problem with saying that a team like a Wisconsin who doesn't have to play that crossover game against Ohio state, they do go to Michigan, but I think that Wisconsin is a far better team than Michigan. We saw that last year. I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath like last year, but I still like Wisconsin in that game. I still like them against Minnesota. I still like them against Indiana and Iowa. I mean, then you're talking about the rest of their schedule, Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue, Northwestern. My thing is where's the loss on that schedule, and then let's say they do go and play you know, a, a 10 or a 14-point game against Ohio State, 
And with what happened with Florida at A&M, we're now guaranteed to have at least one one loss team in the SEC championship game. And with Florida and Georgia, Kentucky has underwhelmed this year, but Florida and Georgia both still play Kentucky. We could potentially have a two loss team in the SEC championship game, in which case if Alabama wins that game like we think they will, you're talking about the 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 SEC East champion that does not win the championship. They now have three losses, and we'll see how it shakes out in the ACC. But I think with what happened to Florida at A&M, and now A&M doesn't have that tiebreaker, and I'm not sure that they would put in a non-divisional champion like an A&M in the playoff over a one-loss Wisconsin if a Wisconsin can play well against Ohio State. I think that there is room for a Wisconsin, and we'll see kind of what happens with the Pac-12 too, or if maybe Cincinnati or some other G5 team can hop in there. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see what happens with room though. I think that there is room for an argument that a Wisconsin can make a really nice run here by going 9-0 and and playing a decent game against Ohio State because what happened with Florida now, what we're guaranteed to come out of the East, the SEC isn't really looking like this two-playoff team right now. Uh, here's what I wonder. I wonder if the, the, the back end of the schedule that has kind of been created specifically for what's going on with the Big Ten and these late entrance conferences this year. I wonder if that is where some of these Big Ten teams can pick up some ground. So when I think about maybe the second team in the ACC versus the second team in the Big Ten, because this that's what we're really talking about when we have this conversation. Yeah, I think that's the that's the prime it's, argument right there. It's yeah. it's what what conference is going to get that second team in. Because we, I think we all kind of agree Ohio State's probably going to get in unless something weird right. and big that we're, we're not really accounting for happens. I think we all probably think Alabama's going to get in. I think we all probably think that Clemson's going to get in. So who's going to be that last spot if it all shakes out like we think it will? You're looking at a couple of teams in the SEC. You're looking at a, one, maybe two teams in the ACC. I, I'm I'm right now willing to throw Notre Dame out. But mathematically, I don't know that we can yet, so I guess I have to like respect them enough to keep them in. I just don't think they're there. Just I like, think Clemson and Notre Dame is going to be a bloodbath, and that's going to effectively eliminate them, even though they could have another shot at Clemson in the ACC championship game. But yeah, I don't think that I, game I is going to be anywhere close. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they're in the same league. So let's let's look at like Miami versus Wisconsin. Miami's going to finish the month of October. They're going to be most likely five and one on November first with some decent wins. Nothing that's really really incredible, but it's not about necessarily the resume. I don't think if you're if you're following my argument, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily about comparing the resumes. It's just about the psychology of numbers. And if Miami is five and one, and the only loss is to Clemson, and they're they have a good offense, and they have a dynamic quarterback, and they're doing all these great things, and then you compare them to a Wisconsin team that has two wins, I don't know that it matters if Wisconsin looks good or that they're undefeated. I think it's a psychology thing. So it becomes imperative on the Big Ten to really look impressive those last couple weeks in mid December. When other people aren't playing as much and then the spotlight is kind of on them, I think they have to make up that ground at the end. It's almost like a cricket game where <laughs> we're like, okay, we, we know what the other guys have done. Now we have to surpass that or at least come close. Uh, so that's, I, I don't know who is subscribed to this podcast for our cricket analysis, 
But that's kind of how I see things right now. And I just think it's a really tough mountain to climb if you're coming in this late into the season and you're the not the number one team in the Big Ten. I know that you're a man of many talents and you have your toes in a lot of buckets. How the fuck do you know how cricket works? I don't know, man. I just Do you bet on cricket? I'm not going to say I've never bet on cricket because uh, that, that's not true. There have been one or two where I'm like, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to let me give this a shot. Oh, shit. Uh, going back to that, I didn't realize that my, I thought Miami finished up that last weekend of November. I thought I totally had a brain fart. I forgot that they had that North Carolina game the first week of December. If they didn't have that, yes, Wisconsin would have two games while Miami is just sitting there doing nothing effectively. Maybe they would be in the ACC championship game and that would be a different story, but then we can tack on the Big Ten championship game to Wisconsin to kind of balance that out. For Wisconsin, they would only then have the Iowa game after Miami is done, and I think that the uh, the committee and just generally we understand how difficult it is to go to Iowa, especially late in the season, if that is a primetime game. Um, it's been a completely death row for, for top five teams over the last 10 years or so. I think everybody understands that, but still, it's just one game. It's one game that Wisconsin would have the stage over a Miami when, honestly, Miami just might be playing the ACC championship game anyways, and that would obviously overshadow a Wisconsin-Iowa game. So that that was that's kind of where I need to come around and say that the Big Ten's not really going to have this stage. In the case of Miami, the only problem I have with making that argument, though, is Miami has the loss. Miami's not going to be Clemson in the ACC championship game, nor is Notre Dame. Therefore, I see the, the, the loser of the ACC championship game, in my opinion, is all but guaranteed to have two losses because Clemson is beating Notre Dame, and North Carolina obviously has that loss. So where is the argument? Clemson? No, no, North Carolina. They lost to like a really good team, right? Because they're, they're No, like they the got smashed by Florida State last night. Oh, they, oh, they lost to Florida State. Oh. I am, I, I I didn't catch up on that bit at the beginning there <laughs> because I thought I was just going to hop on the pod today, click record and give you the show. That's why it took my brain a little bit of time to realize that, oh, North Carolina got slaughtered by Florida State for 35 minutes. Yeah. You, you know how bad it is to lose to a team that only played one half and you still lost? That's pretty bad. Anywho, where is the argument for a two-loss non-ACC champion over a one-loss Wisconsin? And you can have a different discussion if you think Wisconsin's going to go to Michigan and lose. That's a totally different ballgame. I think Wisconsin wins that game. I'm pretty confident in saying that now and pretty confident in saying that going into the November 14th game. But where is the argument for saying that a two-loss non-ACC champion or a two-loss non-SEC champion would get in over a one-loss Wisconsin that played Ohio State well. They would have wins over Michigan, Minnesota, Indiana, Iowa, and then if you're high on Purdue. That's where I don't see the argument, and that's where I think the psychology of it comes into play. I don't see the committee putting in a two-loss Florida, two-loss Georgia, two-loss Miami, a two-loss Notre Dame over a one-loss Wisconsin who has depending on if Michigan can get in the top 12 or top 15, one really strong win, two or three really good wins, and, and no losses outside of Ohio State. How, how, did, how does that compute with you, though? 
Well, I think the argument would be primarily about math and about quality of wins. So when you were running through what Wisconsin's wins would be in that scenario, just to give an example, the end of your sentence there was, if you're high on Purdue. (laughs) So if you have to prosecute an argument that Wisconsin's a top four team and your argument includes the use of the word Purdue, you're in trouble, I think, in my opinion. Well, I don't know if you're really high on the Cornhuskers. Yeah, I mean, like, if you feel really well, good about depending Packers on how much credit you want to give them for beating Rutgers, I think they could get in there. You know, uh, so I mean, if you look at yeah, Miami, I think right now what I'm seeing, they're going to be the loser of the ACC championship game, and they're going to be sitting there with a lot of ACC wins and then two losses to Clemson. I don't know yet how the SEC East is going to shake out. For now, I'm going to stick with my prediction that Florida is going to figure out a way to to come out of the SEC East. So maybe they have two losses. But Florida, the resume, or Georgia, the resume, I think would still be, I'm not going to say far superior, but it would be better than Wisconsin, I think. And I I would need to look at the math. I don't know off the top of my head the number of games and how it looks and everything. But I, I just think they would have a better resume And then it does come down to how do you weigh one loss versus two against inferior wins versus superior wins. So, I mean, that that conversation, we can talk all day and all night about Mm -hmm. how we want to weigh all that stuff. That's a committee thing, right? It's just what do those people in that room see and what weight do they give to all of those factors? But it, it, it does feel like we're on the pulse of this right now. And that this is how things are going to shake out as long as everything goes according to plan and college football stays completely predictable. And we that's why having the October metric debate right now is just dumb because we don't know exactly how those wins are going to look. And we also don't know how the committee, this is something that I wish they would speak on more because they haven't really addressed it that much. And I'm sure it's intentional because everything they say is intentional. Wisconsin I don't want to say got lucky because they play Ohio State. Like, they've had their fair share of regular season Ohio State games. Sometimes they get screwed with having the tough crossover games that Nebraska is bitching about this year. Wisconsin has done that before. So I'm not, I don't want to say, like, hey, congrats, Wisconsin, you got lucky this year. But they don't have to play Ohio State, whereas Miami and Notre Dame have to play Clemson. And let's just put Clemson and Ohio State kind of on that same bar for right now. So Wisconsin, in this case, they got lucky with not having to play Ohio State so is it really better for them? I'm kind of, I, I still believe in the argument I made, but just playing devil's advocate to myself here. Is it better for them? Because I think if they would play Ohio State twice, they would lose to Ohio State twice. Miami could play Clemson twice, and they're probably going to lose to Clemson twice. So just because Miami has that extra Clemson game on the schedule, we're supposed to punish them because that's two losses, where if I think Wisconsin had two Ohio State games on the schedule, they would have the exact same results as a Miami. And then you get into the, the position of comparing resumes, which we can't really do right now. Do you see my point here? I do, and it's it's a good point by you. I don't know how you inject that into the other conversation. I yeah. think it's just another thing that you have to consider and hold in the back of your mind. But yeah, I mean, it's it's all going to get messy, I think is the takeaway. Awesome. We will be back on Thursday. Chase is going to go over some of these Big Ten lines. I want to get your take uh, on your friends at Purdue, see how much you love them. Are win totals available right now going into the Big Ten season? Not at the books that I've looked at, no. Would you ever even take those if they became available? 
I mean, maybe, but now I got to do, now I have like six days to do all the research and figure out what positions I want to take on. So, I mean, eh, I don't know. Those Boilermakers. Yeah, shout out. We'll be back on Thursday for that. Chase will go over some week eight lines. Hit him up on Twitter at Chase8Kitty or the podcast at High Motor Potty if you have any specific questions that you want to address, parlays, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, come on Thursday's episode. Then we'll be back on Monday looking back at the Big Ten results. Uh, and then just now two weeks from next Monday, two weeks until the Pac-12 season kicks off. And then we'll start to get in some scenarios there. We both think it's a pretty high bar for the Pac-12 to reach to make it into that playoff picture, but we'll be able to at least break down some um, some scenarios depending on what happens this weekend and then what happens in week nine. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast. I saw a friend today, it had been a while And we forgot each other's names But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met how you feel more than you see and other worlds that lie in spaces in between